Welcome to the Made for Memories podcast, where we explore the sport and business of fishing and the great outdoors in Canada. Presented by Len Thompson and Northern King Lures. Here are your hosts, brother and sister duo, Brad Pallister and Jessica Pallister Dew. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the Made for Memories podcast. Today we welcome Max and Corey Menard. Max founded Smoky Trout Farm in 1998 with his father, Dan. Smoky Trout Farm is located just outside of Red Deer, Alberta, where they raise and sell fish primarily for pond and lake stocking. They also specialize in lake and pond water management, including aeration design. On the Smoky Trout Farm website, Max is listed as not only a co-founder and water quality specialist, but also a fish whisperer. So we're just going to get started there. Max and Corey, welcome. Thank you for having us. Thanks for joining us. We're so excited to have you here today. But Max, I need to know why they call you the fish whisperer. I'll have to be completely honest with you. I'm not even sure where that came from. <laughs> I think my brother uh, thought that one up when he was doing website build, but uh, I do have a little bit of knowledge in terms of uh, fisheries management. So that could be uh, a bit of where that came from. So you're the, you're the brains behind the organization is what you're saying. Well, I would say I'm the brains behind the taking care of the fish. So <laughs> I, uh, I think my, my father is probably still the, uh, uh, the chief brain power behind us here uh, on most days. Anyway, he's definitely a rock that we rely on a lot. He's uh, 73 now and still works full time with us. And uh, so, so, yeah, I would say that's sort of the, the pillar behind the, uh, the fish business is, uh, is that old fella, Dan. So Max, you work with uh, Dan and you work with your brother, Ray, and you also work with your spouse. So you have Ray there with you. Um, And then Bobby, Ray's wife, is also involved in the business. Is that correct? Yep. She does a lot of the marketing uh, end of things. So Awesome. And what uh, what about your mom? Uh, Yep. My mom works full time as well. So so we're a full on family here. It's uh, thankfully we all get along fairly well. Uh, because uh, definitely I've, I've heard of some family businesses having some strife because of uh, all the time spent together. So, uh, no, we're very, very fortunate. It, uh, I, uh, you know, looking back on when we started, I, um, I think probably the, the most important part of it all is being able to work with my dad and, and the amount of time I spent with him uh, and the relationship that we built through that. Uh, it, uh, yeah, where I'm just very fortunate in that respect. The, it used to be a chicken farm. Was it your dad's chicken farm originally? No. So they purchased the acreage in 96, I guess it would have been. And the former owner had sold the egg quota for the operation. So there was buildings full of cages and, uh, no real use for them. And so uh, at that point, uh, I guess it would have been in 97, I was working up in uh, Fort St. John, BC. I was working for a, a survey company, uh, 
making computer aided uh, or CAD uh, mapping uh, or maps and survey uh, plans and that sort of thing. And uh, my dad called me up and said, Hey, Alberta Agriculture is putting on a three day course on aquaculture. Do you want to come down and, and take it? And so I said, Sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. And uh, so, yeah, that, that next summer we spent most of the, the time just cleaning out all the cages and, and prepping the building for, for putting in a few tanks. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. It, uh, the first year we started out with maybe a couple thousand fish is all we grew. And it was mainly a, an effort in learning how to keep them alive. And uh, every year after that, we grew a little bit and changed changed things around in the facility to make improvements. And, and uh, here we are, so. Good golly. I, I find it different. My aquaculture is uh, limited to 70 gallons and I got a 35 gallon right behind me. Right. And I can only imagine that uh, the learning curve was steep early on. Yeah, tell it was. Us, tell us it about was, the learning curve. Yeah, it was definitely uh, uh, a steep one. We we were very fortunate in that we we haven't had it, uh, very many oopses over the years. There's been a, a knock on wood a lot, um, but uh, uh, yeah, we've we've taken it slow. We definitely didn't get too aggressive right out of the gates, and so. Uh, you know, originally we, we purchased fry instead of trying to hatch our own eggs out. And so there was a little less uh, uh, difficulty on that end. And, and then as we grew a little bit and, and gained more experience, we started to, to take on a little bit more of those uh, more challenging aspects of it. I think one of the things that's uh, unique about your uh, family business and your story is that a lot of the fish hatcheries are government owned, whereas you are private. How many other um, private hatcheries are kind of in your space? Yeah, there's really space? only on the trout side of things or the cold water side of the market, we say, uh, there's only really uh, two other farms that support full-time family operations. And then there's another three or four smaller ones that are just sort of hobby hobby type farms uh, but it's a it's a very small industry there's you know it really only supports a handful of families in the province in terms of the the production side of things there is a a, a bit larger element to the warm water fish production in the province there is a large uh, tilapia farm down by fort mcleod that grows uh, about half a million kilograms of fish a year uh, which is considerably more than than we do. So they're shipping out uh, oh, 15,000 pounds or, or 7,000 kilograms uh, a week, which is pretty incredible. Um, so, so yeah, for us, uh, our total production is about uh, 35 to 40 tons a year. Um, and we grow anywhere from 300 to 350,000 fish per year, just depending on the, on the grow cycles. And primar primarily rainbow trout with some brown trout mixed in there. Any other species that you focus on? Yeah, this year actually, uh, it's definitely the majority of it is rainbows. But this year we have uh, some brook trout and we also have some tiger trout, which were just recently uh, allowed for private culture in the province. So, uh, so we've got a few of those as well. No brown trout this year. Most, most of the cold water industry is is for stocking i'm assuming and warm water is for food is that yeah that's, off? 
That's correct. There's, as far as I know, I don't believe there are any uh, cold water or trout uh, production facilities in the province that do raise food fish uh, at this time. We're in the planning phases of building a new facility, hopefully uh, breaking ground uh, next spring. And we'll, we'll at that point be expanding a bit into the food market. We've allocated some capacity in that new building for that. So, Cool. Yeah, so that's exciting. So, so what what uh, what made you want to get into agriculture? Like, where <laughs> that's the that's the thing I think I'm most interested about is here's the, a very small industry, and uh, you're trying to break in, which I'm sure is capital intensive. So, how 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 did you and and your families all get together and say, yeah, this is this is the hill. This is the hill we're going to hike. Yeah. Well, I, it's not a very exciting answer from my perspective as I, I didn't really have a, a goal to get into aquaculture. Uh, it, it is something that my dad's been interested in for, for quite some time now. Uh, they, my mom and dad lived overseas. Uh, they were lived in Scotland for a while. And uh, that's actually where I, my brother and I were born is, is Scotland. And uh over there, I think my dad generated a fair bit of interest in uh, in aquaculture, and uh, you know, growing up, we always fished. We we definitely spent a lot of time uh, on the rivers and, and lakes fishing. But I I never really thought that I would ever be to a point where I would be culturing them myself. And it was really just that phone call from my dad, uh, just trying to figure out what to do with these buildings on the farm and and uh, didn't really have a plan for them. And, and so, yeah, that, uh, that was it. it uh, uh, I guess it was an, an acquired uh, dream over time. Kind of like making fishing lures in Alberta. That's right. Pretty Small specific. industry. We actually had our first experience with Len Thompson lures. What would have been how many years ago did we get married? See, this is why 2009. 2009. So you you actually made us some lures for our wedding. We had a fish theme, and so we had little fish bowls on our uh, on our tables and with lures on them and whatnot. So uh, yeah, so we've actually been dealing with you guys for a long time. Well, thank you Perfect. for the support. You we it, was, it wasn't a very big order but <laughs> any order is a good order yeah right absolutely. what's the average order of fish that you get oh it really varies like we supply uh, on the larger end uh 60 to seventy thousand fish a year to the alberta conservation association uh and then on the smaller end i've got some aquaponics customers that come and buy six fish uh, they've got a little filtration system in their basement or in their garage and, and they, they're trying to grow some veggies along with the, the fish. And so, yeah, it's a, a very broad span in terms of the, the size of orders. Um, most customers, I would say uh, 50 to 150 fish would be a common order for a, a standard uh, farm dugout. Yeah, because you do you do quite a bit of work with private ponds as well. Yeah, there's a, a varying range, and so again, it would be more uh, you know on the smaller end, there would be those those few indoor facilities where people are trying to, to culture them themselves, and then uh, it might be a, a little decorative pond or display pond in somebody's backyard. Uh, then up to uh, 
agricultural dugouts, irrigation reservoirs, uh, fish and game association uh, ponds, and then some of the big private residential lakes in in uh, the cities. Uh, and then some actual, we do some public uh, lakes as well for Alberta environment. We do supplement some of their their stocking as well. So, so yeah, it's pretty broad range. Very cool. What, uh, what would you say is the biggest challenge of the aquaculture business in Alberta? I would say the lack of knowledge on the technical side of things. So, uh, you know, it, growing them, it's a little bit different than conventional aquaculture where, uh, you know, one of the largest areas of production in North America is the Snake River Valley in Idaho. Uh, those farms produce millions of kilograms of fish a year. Uh, they just divert river water right through big concrete raceways uh, and right out the back end into the river. And there's very little in terms of um, the, the water saturated in oxygen when it comes out of the springs in the side of the hills. Uh, it's the perfect temperature. They don't have to filter the water. Uh, and so really they're, they're just looking at feed costs and labor costs is it. And so for us, we've got the added... Uh, dilemma of, of how to pump and recirculate that water on a continuous basis, but do it in an efficient manner, an efficient manner so that it's cost effective. Uh, you know, we spend about $40,000 a year on electricity right now. So it's, uh, it's very energy intensive. Um, and so that's probably the biggest challenge is just how to navigate through the, the inflation and the, the ongoing uh, headwinds we have with that. Uh, and how do we do it in a way where we can still uh, still survive at it, really? We were lucky enough, and you don't do this for very many people, so we felt very special, but we were lucky enough to tour your facility um, kind of shortly before the pandemic. I think it was kind of around that time. Yeah, what have been early 2020, right. late 2019. Um, and you have really invested in solar technology to kind of help offset some of this. Electricity. Yeah, actually, the, the current solar system that we have is only a 10 kilowatts, so it's quite small. It only produces approximately 8% of our total energy use, but we're actually just in the process of, of costing out, uh, putting in a, a 225 kilowatt array along our driveway, which will, will completely offset our, our energy use. So that's exciting. How, uh, as you kind of start working on this new uh, building and this new facility, how has the technology changed over the last, let's say, 20 years or so? Not as much as you would think. There's actually uh, a sort of a, a standardized or conventional design that most recirculating aquaculture facilities are using. And uh, what we're doing now is similar to that. There's definitely some improvements we could make. Uh, we're, we've developed a, a bit of a unique filtration technology that we're hoping uh, to implement in that new facility that will greatly reduce our, our energies uh, to the tune of about uh, 2.25 to 2.5 times the amount of production volume with the same amount of energy we're using now. 
So it's quite a, a remarkable jump in, in efficiency. Uh, we're actually just in the process of uh, installing a pilot filtration system in our existing building here just to test that concept and, and uh, optimize it, work the kinks out before we are able to expand it in, into the new building. My last question before we go on to the rapid fire. <laughs> okay. Don't be nervous. I'm okay. I got my support dog and my support <laughs> wife here. So, <laughs> Where is the future of aquaculture going? In I'm more interested, not necessarily cold water, but I'm wondering the uh, food production type of thing, because I'm just curious because the, you know, especially in the, the salmon pens and things like that, I uh, get a lot of uh, negative press because of that's a form of aquaculture, but it, if they, if the pen bursts, then, uh, then, then you get some, some, some fishies in the nature that might have some diseases and they might, so like yeah. kind of talk about the future and, and maybe some of the negative, uh, perceptions that that aquaculture maybe has and how do you how do you overcome that stuff yeah absolutely uh, there, there's definitely a, a really big push to move to land-based aquaculture uh, there you know as you mentioned there's there's challenges with open net pen type farms uh, the federal government has actually announced that they would like to see on the bc coast all of the net pen farms shut down by 2025 so that's a, a very big step um, the and the the technology for land-based facilities is not efficient enough yet to be able to compete globally uh, in in having all those farms move to land base so uh, it really puts canada at a disadvantage if they push that too quickly uh, in terms of the, you know, we have a fair amount of production on the west coast of Canada, and, and uh, I believe it's somewhere in the range of 100,000 tons a year. And uh, so it, it uh, yeah, it, it's going to be difficult to meet those challenges in terms of trying to um, have land-based facilities that are efficient enough uh, and reliable enough so that they can be sustainable long-term and so that's sort of one of our goals with this new facility is to um, spearhead that uh, the development of that technology so that we can uh, really uh, be leaders here in Canada um, in the, in the land-based uh, fish production. But it, you know, I, I would definitely say that that ship has sailed and we are going down the land-based model and I don't think we'll see that turn around. There's, um, even whether or not you believe that the, the offshore farms are detrimental to the environment or not, it's, uh, it's still, that's the direction things are moving and I, I don't think we'll see that turn around. So, uh, so I think we'll see, you know, more land-based facilities being constructed and, and uh, some will succeed, some will fail and, uh, and eventually through regulation, they will try and thin out and, and eventually shut down the, the net pen culture uh, facilities altogether. Um, definitely the, the, the efficiency is really the only real hurdle. Uh, there's a lot of positives in terms of growing fish in land-based facilities. There's uh, much more control over your environmental conditions. 
a uh, lot less disease issues, uh, and then much better control over your effluent so that you're not having an effect on, on the environment. I mean, we have uh, many industries that, that push excess nutrients into water bodies, uh, mainly nitrogen and phosphorus, and, and those nutrients cause excess algae blooms and, and vegetation growth. Uh, in surface water. And so uh, I'm a big fan of land-based. I think it's a, a great way to manage and capture that effluent. It can be used for uh, fertilizer and other agricultural operations. And uh, so it's just a matter of working out the, the kinks on the, the technical side of things to make sure that these types of facilities are, are as efficient and reliable as possible. I can't wait to try my first smoky trout farm atlantic salmon well it might be a coho so <laughs> oh coho okay all right okay but uh <laughs> but we'll probably stick with the steelhead trout for the time being and uh we'll see how that goes but yeah definitely there's a there's a push to try and do uh freshwater salmon and uh so there's a, an option to grow coho as well uh, and I think it would be great for Alberta. It's one of those things where we, uh, you know, we've got a pretty good regulatory environment here and uh, we've got a good young workforce and uh, our energy costs are a little bit lower than, uh, well, <laughs> depending on the year, I guess, but uh, uh, on average, longer term, our energy costs are, are uh, a little bit lower in terms of the electricity side of things. Um, not so much in the in the most recent uh, year here, but uh, but yeah, I think if you know we can offset that with solar, so that's definitely uh, something we can deal with. It is sunny here. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Um, I have one more quick question for rapid fire, just because I'm really. Uh, I'm sorry. I know. Timeline. I know. I'm I'm breaking from the timeline. Um, how tricky is it to source? the fish and the eggs? That's a good question. It, it is tricky. Um, we, the largest supplier of trout eggs in the world is, is in Seattle, so in Washington state. Uh, they're called the Trout Lodge and they grow in the tune of the hundreds of millions of, of eggs a year. And so, uh, so that's our main supplier. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a regulatory hurdle to get them across the border. There's a lot of paperwork with CFIA and, and uh, import permits and that sort of thing. Uh, there's a stack of about 35 pages in the document book that, that has to get approved to uh, get those across. Um, so there is a, a desire to see better brood production in Canada. Uh, I would like to see some more reliable sources on this side of the border. Uh, we do get some of our stock from Alberta environment, so from the provincial hatcheries. All of our brook trout, uh, tiger trout, and some even some of our rainbows come uh, provincially here. So, so it's nice to be able to get some of that local. Uh, but uh, we actually just had a, a, an aquaculture roundtable with DFO, uh, Department of Fisheries and Oceans, and some of the provincial regulators and, and producers here uh, just a, a week and a half ago. And, and that was one of the main, main conversations there was, was brood stock supply and, and uh, how do we promote uh, that in Canada? Uh, and it's a, as much an art as it is a science. It, there's a lot to that. 
it's not it's not simple for somebody to just start up a, a brood facility and, and start producing eggs. And we're not even to the size where it's cost effective for us. Uh, it's still it would cost us much more to run a, a brood program than it does uh, for us to purchase our eggs every year. Cool. Any more questions, Jessica? No, because I'll get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I have many more questions, but it's just very, I find it very interesting. I think it's a very interesting field, but no, we have more questions. We'll just do them in rapid fire. There you go. Are you guys ready for rapid fire? I'm, I'm, I think I'm ready. <laughs> I'm going to have a drink of coffee here first. Well, Corey's, Corey can be a support too. You're allowed to answer Corey. Like yeah. feel free to answer some of these questions. So I explained right. a little bit about um, rapid fire before we hit record on the podcast. Um, but the rules are, there's a list of eight questions that we have pre-prepared and you get 30 seconds on the clock to answer the question. I so will disclose I, that I have not seen the questions ahead of time. <laughs> so, If you're ready, I guess we can just get started. Yeah, let's give her. Yeah. Brad, do you want to ask the rapid fire questions? This time? I guess I could. You usually do. Why don't we change it up a little bit? Okay. I'll still do the clock. The fans probably want to hear my voice more. <laughs> well, I well, it's maybe more soothing than my voice, but... As we know, I have a more enthusiastic voice. So this is your chance to prove everyone wrong. How? Yes, yes. Some show some, some energy. Pump it up. Some some fans, aka my wife and my mother, said that I was maybe being a little de-energized the first the first <laughs> show. So I better I better up my game. I like your aura that you're giving off there, Brad. Perfect. See, so we got one we got one fan on my side. My wife and mother on my sister's side. Anyways, okay. 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 You 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 ask the question and I'll hit the go button. Okay. Rapid fire question number one: Best way to catch fish out of a stocked trout pond? Go. Not dynamite. Uh, I would say bobber and a worm is probably the best. Worms. Yeah. (laughs) Freshly dug. Bobber and a worm. Okay. Well, you were way too quick on that one. What time of year? What time of day? uh overcast and i would say morning and evening is the best definitely not in the hotter part of the afternoon what time of year and all time of year whoa spring's not great you got to get in there when there's some bugs and stuff starting to happen so uh oh time up june okay (laughs) june in the morning yeah which is when the kids fishing day is every year at the Lacombe Trout Ponds, June uh, 4th this true. year. Anyways, I digress, little, little plug there. You have a stocked pond on your farm property. Yes. Correct? What, who has caught the largest trout out of that pond and how large was it? I think it has to be my wife. She, Corey here, she's definitely caught a few that were in the 10 pound range. So uh, yeah, I would have to say there, I know there's a few in there that are larger than that. We stocked a few last year that were old uh, old pets out of our filter tank in the back of the barn and they were in the 14, 14 and a half pound range. So 14 maybe, pound? Maybe you are the guy that's going to catch the biggest fish. I hope so. It's definitely not going to be Brad. 
Probably. <laughs> the luckiest be. rod is our son's little car's fishing rod. Yeah, little ice it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. 14 pounds. Wow. Good job, Corey. Yeah, okay. good job, Corey. I need to get some training champion. Um, <laughs> you have been a very, you, Smoky Trout Farm, has been a very strong supporter of the Kids Can Catch uh, fishing days. I, I think uh, the Lacombe fishing game for sure, but I'm not sure others. What other cool projects, notable projects, have you been part of in the past? Oh, that's kind of a. That's kind of an on-the-spot question. We haven't really done that much in terms of uh, community outreach type things. Like you guys have been awesome. Uh, it's been cool to. I'm I'm a bit of a hermit, so I don't really get out much unless people drag me out. And uh, so I would say definitely with the ACA, the Alberta Conservation Association, we uh, you know we really try and uh, involve the kids and whatnot if they're there for the stockings and and. Uh, let them hang on to the hose and watch them go in and that sort of thing. So, I mean, the kids fishing day in Lacoma is incredible. It's nice to be able to, to let each, uh, each kid grab a bucket with some fish in it and, and put them in themselves. I think it, uh, it gets them really engaged and excited about fishing. And uh, so, yeah, we'd love to do more of that going forward. Point deducted, by the way, that was, <laughs> was more than 30 seconds. Bye. <laughs> I feel like it should cancel out because we really do appreciate the support. And I agree. Those kids fishing days are phenomenal. It's so fun to watch these little kids lift buckets that are as big as they are and try to dump them in the pond. And it just gives them a chance to, you know, see the fish up close, especially if they're not catching anything that day. So um, thank you. Well, thank you for, we appreciate you guys uh, having us involved in that. Okay, question number four. The best thing about working in a family business. Go. Well, I, like I mentioned before, I think we're just lucky in that we all get along really well. And so I love working with my family. I wouldn't change it for anything. And uh, so, it, uh, you know, my relationship with the, well, with my wife is fantastic, but I mean, with my brother and my dad, uh, I think it's 10 times that of what it was before I started working directly with them. And so it's, uh, uh, that's definitely the, the most uh, important part of it, I think. Okay. Question five, the most irritating thing about working in a family business. I suggest <laughs> you don't mention Corey. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Well, some of us are very detail oriented and some of us aren't. <laughs> and so there's probably a little bit of frustration there in terms of uh, uh, making sure everybody's following their proper processes and uh, whatnot. I'm uh, <coughs> trying to do better. Okay. All right. Accountability is what I heard. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. Okay. Question number six. Some people have mixed feelings on tiger trout as a hybrid species. What are your thoughts in 30 seconds or less? Well, we don't have a lot of experience with them yet, other than that we've, we've cultured them in the facility here. They're very temperamental to grow. They don't like to eat like the rainbows do. Uh, but I've never caught one, uh, so I can't comment on that side of it. Uh, in terms of the 
ethical sort of nature of it. I mean, they are a naturally a sterile fish, so there's no real risk of them causing any harm in terms of uh, interbreeding with other populations and whatnot. So I'm all for it. I'd love to see the diversity in, in stocking. Excellent. Number seven, your best childhood fishing memory and go. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I remember fishing with my dad in Saskatchewan and having uh, pink eye the whole time and, and, and that was miserable. So there was my worst one. <laughs> in terms of best, uh, I just have tons of great memories of fishing on the Peace River up uh, near Hudson Hope in, in the Peace Country where we were close to where we used to live in uh, Fort St. John. I really enjoyed uh, river fishing. So I would say those were some great trips. And last but not least, question number eight. The most entertaining story and or mishap that ever happened in a stocking. Ooh, a stocking. Well, we have had a, uh, I think we blew fish all over Dave Powell uh, in Lacombe. The hose came off the, the tank and kind of shot fish <laughs> all over him once. So that was good. Uh, but uh yeah, other than that, we haven't had any uh, too many crazy ones. So. Getting stuck in yeah. fields. Definitely getting stuck a few times. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, I was, I was hoping I'd hear you fell off and into the into the into the water at some point, or Drew fell off in the barn. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few oopses back in the the early days of construction in the barn before we were more uh, safety aware. Uh, I do recall dropping a six by six beam on my dad's head. And that was uh, a bit of an eye opener. So there was a trip to the hospital. And, uh, <laughs> he was okay, but. Uh, Fair enough. Lost phones in the tanks. <laughs> yeah, we dropped a few phones in the fish tanks. <laughs> okay. All right, that's the end of rapid fire. Good job. Your last bit of homework was, uh, well, Jess is, this is Jess's fun thing. Oh, I asked you to prepare a fishing joke. Oh yeah. Oh, let me see. I got to think about which one was my best one. Why did the dog jump off the boat into the ocean? I don't know why. He saw a catfish. Uh, <laughs> Nika liked that one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, you two, for being on our podcast today. We really appreciate the time. Um, where can people learn more about you and your business? Uh, SmokyTroutFarm.com or check out our Facebook page. And uh, yeah, or give us a shout. Send us an email. You can try and call, but it's tough to get a hold of somebody on the phone here. So, uh, but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from anybody who has questions. And we really appreciate your time and uh, all the support that uh, Len Thompson and the Lacombe Fishing Game have given us over the years. So thank you for that. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you. you Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Made for Memories podcast. Until next time, happy fishing. Happy fishing.